Andrews Air Force Base is located in Maryland, about 10 miles southeast of Washington, D.C. The 4,300-acre installation first opened during World War II. During its 60 years, it had grown, like many small towns across America, to include two 18-hole golf courses, a skeet range, a 24-lane bowling alley, tennis courts, and three outdoor swimming pools. It's the home of Air Force One. It is also where 27,000 active-duty personnel and their families live and work. And like many closed communities, it has its rules and secrets. Special Investigator Staff Sergeant Jack Vu rode his Canary Yellow PX-200E Vespa past the 33rd Field Investigation Squadron Building, Headquarters AFOSI, and figured he'd take the shortcut along a dirt trail that led directly to the fairway. The path was wide enough for his motorbike and an occasional wary squirrel. He'd spend his youth weaving in and out of the chaotic traffic in Saigon on a bike just like this. The brilliant blue sky stung his eyes, and his close-cropped dark hair caught the warm autumn air. A few fat robins chirped in the treetops, lining the trail. Even now, twenty years later, he had the urge to hunker down in the grass and aim his slingshot at the wild birds. For all the negatives of reporting to work on a Saturday, in some sick recess of Vu's brain, he was very curious. Why had he been picked for this assignment? Was it his Vietnamese background? his linguistic skills, or something else. As he neared the fairway, pockets of dust kicked up under his chrome wheels, and he shuddered at the thought of having to clean the bike again. He'd started off the morning bright and early, giving the scooter a good washing, even though it didn't need it. He'd entertained the notion of washing the neighbor's Australian sheepdog. The dog was starting to emit a pungent odor which aggravated his allergies. Some of his countrymen would have simply put the dog on a spit. Vu parked his scooter alongside the fairway and pulled out a small pair of binoculars. His slight five-foot-three stature belied his agility and strength. He had common Vietnamese features—broad cheekbones, large fleshy lips, dark eyes. With the exception of his ears, which stuck out from his small head like little flapjacks, Vu looked like any other Asian man. A few minutes later, looming over the hill from the second hole and kicking up a pollen cloud the size of a hot air balloon, careened a golf cart. Branch Chief Whalick sat behind the wheel, wearing a neon knit shirt and yellow pants. A sun visor squeezed his stubby gray flat top. Beside him sat a fit, slender man wearing an embroidered cotton shirt, plaid golfer's pants, and cleated shoes. Vu barely recognized the Branch Chief out of uniform, or his companion, the former commander of the 52nd Field Investigation Squadron. Vu suppressed his surprise in seeing his old mentor and wondered what he was doing in Maryland. Hello, sirs. Vu snapped to attention as the two men climbed out of the cart and gathered their clubs. Though both his superiors were out of uniform, Vu nevertheless saluted. Hello, Vu, his former commanding officer said, dropping the formality. How goes the battle? Adequately, sir. The colonel stared at Vu's Italian cycle. Your sergeant. Or 116 kilos, sir, he said and faced the major. I'm a Harley nut myself. You ride, major? The branch chief scratched himself. Never owned one. Well, I can't say I'd buy the new V-Rod. Little wild for my taste. Looks like a mock version of Boeing's X-Plane. Vu looked at the two men. Sweat rolled off the branch chief's brow as flies buzzed overhead. Vu removed his leather jacket. Turning toward Morgan, Vu extended his hand. What brings you to Maryland, Colonel? Morgan boasted a million-dollar smile that could win over a constipated judge at the Westminster Kennel Club. I've been transferred to the Maxwell War College, so I stopped by for a friendly game of golf.
It was the old cat-and-mouse game. Give nothing away. Take what you can. Vu was adept at the game. So was the colonel. Come by the campus and pay a visit sometime. I will, sir. Now, gentlemen, I do believe I hear the beckoning call of the third hole. As the colonel snatched his favorite driver, he discreetly nodded to Vu. Something passed between the men to which Branch Chief Waylick hadn't been privy. The branch chief, absorbed in deciding which iron to select for his next shot, dropped his clubs back into his bag and approached Vu. There was business to discuss, and Vu assumed his former commander knew about it. Morgan was giving Waylick the professional courtesy to inform his soldier in private. Vu sensed Waylick disliked him on sight. Many men of Waylick's age had developed an inbred distrust of the Vietnamese after the Vietnam War. It was well disguised at times, but always lurked beneath the surface. A lion's jaw waiting to snap shut.